the things you should know about bird strikes and how you can help prevent them in the future. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. Bird strikes are a constant nemesis for business aviation operators. And Gary Cook, who heads up the NBAA Bird Strike Working Group, part of the Association Safety Committee, says at some point in their career, every single pilot has encountered a bird strike, whether they know it or not. There are more than 14,000 strikes reported every year, and experts like Gary estimate that's only half the true number of bird strikes. Gary is also on the BirdStrike.org committee, an active member of the FAA safety team, and is a founding member of the World Bird Strike Association. Gary, thanks for joining me here on NBAA's Flight Plan. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. What is the first thing I need to know about bird strikes? Right now is the tail end of the migratory season, where we see a significant increase in reported bird strikes, and that runs from August through October. And uh, we see probably a 20 to 30 percent increase month over month than the other months. But the most important thing pilots can do is if they do have a bird strike is to report. And that that involves getting online and and, uh, filling out a FAA form 5400. But the easiest thing you can do is is just uh, Google, how do I report a bird strike? And it'll take you right to the website, the FAA website. That's important. Why? It's risk management. And the first thing in risk management, the first principle is to identify the hazard. Then you can mitigate the risk. And if you don't know what the hazard is, then you can't mitigate the risk. And the key component of reporting bird strikes is identifying the hazard. So when you fill out the FAA Form 5400, you fill out some key factors of where you were, what your altitude was, uh, what your speed was. But then the second part of that is identifying the bird, and that is done by taking the snarge or the feathers and sending it to the Feather Identification Lab in Washington, D.C. And that's where they identify what kind of bird it was. How does that process work uh, at the lab? Well, Dr. Carla Dove takes that um, snarge, is what it's called, the the bird remains, and they identify it in a couple ways. First of all, they look at feathers uh, and they can identify the bird by the feather structure. A lot of times people say, oh, well, though there's no feathers. Well, there's micro feathers a lot of times and they'll just put whatever you send to them in a microscope and they'll identify it. If they don't have that, then they have the um, DNA. Generally, they're not being a whole lot left of the bird and you've got to clean off the aircraft anyway. This is This is not a bad thing to do. Exactly. It's very good because what you do is usually you just take a, a wet paper towel and just make one little swipe of where the bird hit, and that's enough information for them to figure out what kind of bird it was, and then you can clean it off. And uh, that's why it's interesting because a lot of times pilots don't know they had a bird strike, and they'll land, and you'll find it later. Pilots say, well, I don't need to fill out a report because I don't know where it happened. But that's okay because you can just put unknown in a lot of things. And um, a lot of times in corporate flight departments and others, uh, organized departments, it'll be maintenance. The maintenance personnel who are the ones that find the snarge. And so 
we try to educate the maintenance people that hey, the, you can report it too. And the uh, the aim is pretty clear. The FAA aim is pretty clear on who can report a bird strike. Pretty much anybody. If you see, even as a pilot, if you're driving to the airport and you see a bird strike happen, you can report it. And you can say, I don't know what kind of airplane it was, or I don't know, I just saw a bird strike happen. Then they identify it. You mentioned the way to take a snarred sample, basically, is to get a wet paper towel and wipe it across the area uh, where you find the, the blood and the feathers. Do you need to treat that paper towel in any way, or do you need to not use any uh, sort of a cleaning fluid when you do that? You can use alcohol, but... Um an alcohol wipe, but it's best to take a wet paper towel because the alcohol tends to kill the DNA. So just a wet paper towel, just get what you can and put it in a plastic bag and then send it in. And what I like to do, I write with a Sharpie plastic bag, the report number. I print out a copy of the report that I filled out and I mail them both into the Smithsonian Institution. And uh, the Smithsonian Institution Feather Identification Lab in Washington, D.C., is where you send it. And it's all outlined in the FAA website on how to report a bird strike. Pilots are going to say, or some might argue that, hey, man, that's a lot of trouble, but there's a real reason for this. And you said it was risk mitigation, but it's not just your own risk mitigation. True. It's for everybody. And it's interesting, Peter, you say that because up at, up at Oshkosh, we have a, uh, a bird strike uh, booth where we, uh, the Bird Strike Committee USA hosts a booth up there. Inevitably, all the pilots come up and tell their stories about, well, I had a bird strike. And then our first question is, well, did you report it? And a lot of times they'll say, well, it's up at my grass strip. Nobody really knows anybody. It's not really an airport. And then we explain that, look, if you identify a bird at your grass strip in upstate Wisconsin, say it's a black starling that we haven't seen for quite a while. And then over in Minnesota, they identify a black starling and then say at Minneapolis, the airport has four black starling strikes. Then we see a pattern here. And then the airports in the area can develop mitigation plans for the black starling. Now, obviously, these management plans that these airports develop are geared more towards the larger birds, which are the higher risk. But the small birds can be a problem if they are in large flocks, too. So that's what airports do is they develop these management plans on how to manage the risk. And in fact, you did that with a snowy owl. Yes, actually, there was a there was a uh, a high profile case a few years ago where the snowy owls, their population exploded. They are territorial, so they tended to move south. Well, we saw snowy owls in places that we've never seen before, even like down in Georgia and South Carolina. But snowy owls, their behavior, they like airports because airports are open. They're usually large fields. They're usually some mice. They love to eat mice and um, they can sit on the signs or areas and they really aren't bothered by airplanes. And so they like to take up at airports. Well, what happened in New York was they had to depredate a snowy owl for the aviation safety because it was threatening the operations at Kennedy. And it made the headlines. Well, what the press failed to mention was that the day before a Delta MD-80 had struck a snowy owl LaGuardia, and the day before that, a United 7-6 had struck a snowy owl at Kennedy. Depredation is the last resort. You know, we have many, many things that airports do to keep these hazards away from these airports. It's depredation is the last resort, and usually it's identifying 
okay, well, why is the snowy owl here in the first place? And the reason was because the habitat had been limited. Their populations exploded. What are they feeding on? Well, they're feeding on the mice. Well, if we get rid of the mice, then we'll get rid of the snowy owl. So it's kind of a, uh, a cat and mouse game, so to say. Well played, Mr. Cook. Well played. <laughs> What's the second thing that we should put on our list of three things to know about bird strikes? Well, I, I guess to steal from the uh, the TSA, if you see something, say something. And the uh, often mentioned use caution birds in vicinity on the ATIS, which to me is, is not a very ineffective way of warning pilots of a hazard, is that if you're on approach or taxiing out, or on departure and you see some wildlife, let air traffic control know. And uh, what I usually do is identify it via PIREP. So for example, say I'm on three mile final at a thousand feet and I see a flock of geese, say 500 feet below me, I'll say, tower, this is uh, November 566, PIREP. I see a flock of geese below me to the north moving south. And then now they have a PIREP, they have to warn other pilots. Now, you can just say, hey, Tower, there's a flock of geese here, but if it's not a pirate, they are not obligated to report that hazard to other airplanes. So um, I recommend that you do use pirates. Now, if you're in an uncontrolled airfield, what I suggest is if you're on Unicom, just go ahead and mention with your position reports or even if you're taxiing out. If you're taxiing out, just mention, hey, I noticed a couple deer three quarters of a mile away over the hill or something, but it, at least you identify that this hazard is around so pilots can start thinking in that mode. On the other hand, you also want to see something done by ATC with that information. Yes, that's correct. And that's what we're trying to push in the World Bird Strike Association and the Bird Strike Committee USA is to get air traffic control to, to give us more of a risk-based hazard identification. So instead of just saying use caution birds in vicinity, use caution. There was a flock of geese reported on a one mile final for runway one four north moving south. And of course, they'll have to update the ATIS every once in a while, but that's what we're aiming for. Gary, the last of the three things we need to know about bird strikes what time of day are they most likely to occur? Yes, uh, the bewitching hour is what we called it in the military. That's the hour before sunset, the hour after sunset, the hour before sunrise, and the hour after sunrise. Most birds and wildlife are like people. They go to work, i.e. go to find food, and then they go home. Well, the birds, they go in the morning. They go out to find food. They come home at night. And the nocturnal animals, they go out at night, usually around sunset, and they come back right before sunrise or right during sunrise. So there's a lot of movement of uh, animals on the ground and birds in the air. So just be careful around those types. Gary Cook is one of the world's leading authorities on bird strikes. You can find out more about efforts to mitigate bird strikes at nbaa.org. You can also find out more by going to birdstrike.org. That's where you'll find plenty of information on how to get in touch with Gary. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Pete Combs. Thanks for listening to Flight Plan.